0: Now, it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. St. Augustine once said, Love God and then do whatever you want to do. I'll say that again. Love God and then do whatever you want to do. Now, for some of you hearing this for the first time, you may be thinking to yourself, Yes! This is what I've wanted to hear all my life. Thank you, St. Augustine. But this does not give us a green light to enter into a life of debauchery. No. Nor does it give us the green light to live a life contrary to the gospel. Not at all. When Augustine says, love God, he means with a real intense love. Not a superficial love in which we say, yeah, I love God. And then we go and hurt our neighbor. No, our love for God must be genuine such that our whole focus in our life is riveted on God. Our heart, our mind, and our soul is focused entirely upon God such that our will is aligned with the will of God. Our thoughts are the thoughts of God. Our actions are the actions of God. See, when we have that type of love for God, then yeah, we can do whatever we want. Why? Because everything that we do will always be for the good. Everything that we do will always be in accordance with what God wants us to do, such that our will is aligned with God. See, then yeah, love God, and we can do whatever we want to do. Now, the scriptures for this weekend, perfect. The first reading, and in the gospel, we see two people that do exactly what Augustine tells us. They love God, and then they do whatever they want to do. In the first reading, Abraham teaches us the proper reaction to the presence of God in our life. Notice how the first reading begins. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebrinth of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent, while the day was growing hot looking up, Abraham saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them. And bowing to the ground, he said, Sir, if I may ask you this favor, please do not go on past your servant. Let some water be brought that you may bathe your feet, and then rest yourselves under the tree. Abraham sees three men. Essentially, he's having a vision of God. Now, what's so interesting incredibly phenomenal about this scripture passage, is Abraham is seeing the Holy Trinity present itself right before him. They present themselves as men. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are literally standing before Abraham. You do not see this anywhere else in all of sacred scripture. Here, the Holy Trinity now is illuminated in self before Abraham Notice, though, how Abraham addresses them. He says, Sir, if I may ask you this favor. Now, this is very interesting. He has three men standing before them, but he essentially addresses them in the singular, sir, rather than the plural. Now, if it was you or I and three men were standing in front of us, we would address them as good morning, gentlemen, or hi, guys, what can I do to help you? We had to address all three, right? He addresses them as a singular, sir. You see, the early church fathers saw in this scripture passage, in this story, the foreshadowing of our doctrine of the Holy Trinity. One God and three persons. Here, three persons present themselves in front of Abraham, and he addresses them as one. This is incredible. This is something that we have to stop and take notice of. Now, God suddenly breaks into Abraham's life. He realizes he's in the divine presence. What does he do? He engages in this frenetic hospitality. First, he washes their feet. Then he gives them refreshment. Then he tells Sarah to bake cakes for them. Then he tells a servant to kill the best calf and serve it to them. He furiously waits on these three men. In the ancient world, hospitality and how you greeted your guests and treated them was a sign of great moral character. Well, we're seeing this in Abraham. But is this story about hospitality? Not at all. Instead, it's a story about the proper reaction to the presence of God breaking into our life. Abraham sees the presence of God literally standing in front of him. What does he do? drops everything. And now his whole focus is riveted on God. Heart, mind, and soul is focused on God. That's why he engages in this frenzied hospitality. Well, this is a great lesson for us all, isn't it? This is how we need to respond to God's presence breaking into our life. And see, God comes into our life in many different ways, through prayer, through the sacraments, Just look at Mass. Every time we gather for Mass, God literally breaks into our life. It is his body and his blood that we eat and drink at our Mass. How else does he break into our life? Events, the birth of a child or a grandchild, maybe doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy for the poor. These are just assorted ways in which God enters into our life. When that happens, like Abraham, we must be riveted on God. Notice how this story ends. As the three men get up and about to leave, one of them says, I will come back a year from now and Sarah will have given birth to a child. Now, we don't hear it in the scriptures for this weekend, but a few verses, Sarah, when she hears this, she breaks out in this loud roar of laughter. Why? Because Abraham and Sarah are in their 90s. And yet, Abraham, he doesn't laugh. He believes and trusts. And sure enough, a year later, Sarah gives birth to Isaac, their only son and child. What's the implication about this birth? When we focus our attention on God, our life benefits by it. Look at Abraham. He focused, he riveted his attention on God. You know, the whole time he was with them, heart, mind, and soul and his life benefited. Now he received a child. Sarah and Abraham were hoping, praying for a child all their life, and now they receive it because they were riveted on God. Well, so too uh, with us. By the very measure we focus our heart and mind on God, we will benefit by it. Now, this is a great segue into the gospel. Now, from all my years of preaching If there's one story in the gospel that stirs up a lot of emotion and reaction, it's this story of Mary and Martha. You find so many people either strongly defend Mary or they strongly defend Martha. Notice how the story opens up. Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him to her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and listened to his words. Martha was busy with all the details of hospitality. Well, based upon what we just learned from the first reading, this story is not about hospitality. Martha is doing her best. She's being a good hostess. More to it, people argue this story is about the contemplative life versus the active life. I don't think so. Notice what Jesus is really criticizing about Martha. Martha's heart, mind, and soul are all split. They're not focused entirely upon God. That's why Jesus says to Martha, there is need of only one thing, the one thing necessary. Notice Mary, her heart, mind, and soul riveted, focused on God. That's why it says she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him. She's taking it all in. As Jesus is teaching her, she absorbs it all. Notice, though, what Martha says to Jesus. She complains. She says, Lord, do you not care that I am left to do all the chores? And then she yells at Jesus. She says, tell her to help me. Well, we can take a few spiritual lessons from this right away. First of all, it's never good to yell at God. Never works. Second spiritual lesson, It's never good to tell God what to do. That never works either. Notice Jesus' response. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and upset about many things. Well, isn't that so true of us? We are so anxious and upset about many things in our life. Take a typical day in your life. You get up and you go to work. And if you don't work, you have a list of errands to run. You got to go to the grocery store. You got to go to the bank. You got to go to the doctor's office. You got to take your kids here and there. You got to pick up people. You got to text these people. You got to email these people. You got to call these people back. You have to do it all today. We become preoccupied and anxious about getting all these things done today. What's the danger? Well, the danger that Martha fell in herself. We become so preoccupied with all these things that they begin to dictate our life. They govern our life. And they do it without the attention that we give to the one thing necessary in our life the presence of God. Again, go back to the first reading. God appears to Abraham, and what does he do? Drops everything, and then serves the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before him. He chooses the one thing necessary. Christ comes into Mary and Martha's home. Mary does what? She does exactly what Abraham does. She drops everything. She chooses the one thing necessary. She focuses her attention on God. The early church fathers referred to this one thing necessary as the unum necessarium. The one thing necessary, focusing on God, See, this makes sense of all the things that we have going in on our life. Now, mind you, many of us live a very hectic life. We go to work, we do errands, we send the kids to different places for other functions. We text, we email people, we return phone calls. All of that is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But what we need to do is make sure that we choose the one thing. Our focus, our attention, heart, mind, and soul must always be riveted on God. See, when that happens, then all the other things that we do in the course of our daily lives, they all make sense. They all become in harmony with Christ. And see, that's the key. That's the message of the first reading in the gospel. Fix our attention on the one thing, the unum necessarium, our heart, mind, and soul fixated, riveted on God, the presence of God in our life. See, when that happens, then our life is ordered in such a way that everything that we do is always for the good. Everything that we do is always in accordance with what God wants us to do. Our will is now aligned with God. See, that's exactly what Augustine was thinking about when he made that statement, love God and then do whatever you want to do. See, it was all based upon this gospel and the first reading. It is so true. Love God, which means what? Be focused, be riveted on God, your heart, your mind, and your soul, regardless of all the frantic activities that you have in your life. Be focused on the one thing necessary. See, then you say to yourself, well, yeah, I can do that. Well, good. You have just loved God. And guess what? St. Augustine will tell you, now you can do whatever you want. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.